From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. I think it's entirely uh, likely that we'll see affirmative efforts by this National Labor Relations Board to protect worker protests and ease the process for unionization. Uh, it's likely, for example, that the board will reinstate its, its previous joint employer definition, broadly interpreting uh, the outer boundary of employment and crack down on the misclassification of employees as independent contractors. Welcome back to season six of the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. No other company in the world ramped up as exponentially as Amazon in the face of the pandemic, adding more than 400,000 workers globally between January and October of 2020. With the explosive growth during the pandemic came a wave of efforts to organize by employees. Labor expert and former New York Attorney General Section Chief Andrew Elmore clocks in to unpack the union box. Let's go to executive producer Catherine Skip with the interview. Just a reminder to our listeners, we are still out of the studio. We apologize for any wobbly sound, barking dogs, and notification dings. With that codicil, good morning, Andrew. Nice to have you on the show. So nice to be here. Thank you. Companies like Amazon blew up in the face of increasing demand during the pandemic, but also ignited widespread health and safety concerns by labor. Why was COVID-19 the labor organizing accelerant? Maybe we should use the ongoing battle in Staten Island with Amazon versus the New York Attorney General as an example. Sure. And and to back up a moment, so, so labor tensions in the United States uh, certainly predate COVID-19. But you're, you're absolutely right that COVID-19 has accelerated this trend. It's a nice word. Warehousing work, to be sure, is often difficult, tedious and dangerous work. Um, and, and Amazon has been for how it treats its warehouse workers. Uh, recent interviews by workers suggest that uh, Amazon's productivity quotas, uh, quote, uh, its productivity quotas, for example, make it impossible for these workers to um, take breaks, to eat, or use the bathroom during their shift. And these concerns, among others, have led some employees to seek to join a union. Uh, but COVID-19 in particular has had a massive effect on these businesses. Uh, it helps to explain why the drive for a union in Amazon is in the news so much right now. For two reasons. First, the pandemic fundamentally shifted how consumers shop uh, toward online purchases through Amazon. This made Amazon one of the biggest companies in the United States and certainly one of its most important employers. Uh, You probably read its stock price has increased 70 percent during the pandemic. Jeff Bezos's personal wealth has increased in by $75 billion with a B in in 2020 alone. A dramatic scaling up of of operations. Amazon has has expanded its workforce, uh, hiring 400,000 workers uh, in 2020. So so now with a million employees, it's the second largest private employer in the United States, second only to Walmart. The pandemic uh, has been important in a second way too. It's it's raised worker fears of employers putting them at risk uh, without protections or benefits. So by March 2020, and, and we'll, we'll turn to the present in a moment, but this has been going on for a year, right? So, so it became clear by March 2020 that COVID-19 has, was fast spreading across the country, uh, especially in workplaces where employees have to work in close proximity to each other, like warehouses, right? And especially in certain regions at that time in March 2020 in New York. 
So workers around the country, including in Amazon, began demanding uh, safety practices, uh, paid leave and, and those sorts of things. Amazon resisted these demands. And in March 2020, Staten Island Amazon workers walked off the job, uh, demanding paid leave and more frequent cleanings of the warehouse. By April, COVID-related protests, protests ignited all over the country. Uh, Amazon warehouse employees organized a mass checkout in 50 facilities, and its technology employees joined the protests in solidarity. Uh, Amazon took an aggressive response to these protests, uh, allegedly firing uh, two workers involved in them. Uh, the federal agency that regulates workplace safety, OSHA, uh, took a, a hands-off approach uh, to the pandemic in 2020. But some states, like New York, sought to fill the gap. Uh, the Amazon protests drew the attention of New York State Attorney General Letitia James, who called out Amazon publicly for its safety practices and began looking into its compliance with state safety and whistleblower laws. So now we can fast forward to the present. The, the conflict between Amazon and the state attorney general came to a head last month when Amazon uh, preemptively sued the attorney general in federal court. Now, on the surface, uh, the complaint Amazon filed looks like how you'd expect a large company to react to a government investigation. Hired a marquee law firm to argue that federal safety and health and labor laws preempt the state attorney general. Uh, can't look into the allegations. But looking at the complaint reveals much more. It, it, it reads like a 65-page primal scream uh, against the idea of government intrusion into its workplace practices. It goes on for over 60 pages defending its safety practices and listing its grievances uh, against the complainants and against the New York Attorney General. And once you get past all this, the preemption theory itself is mind-blowing. Uh, it says that New York State, and this is a quote, lacks legal authority to regulate workplace safety responses to COVID-19. And then has no, quote, regulatory authority uh, over a, a claim of retaliation based on an employee's protest of working conditions. Now, you don't really need to be an expert to know that these statements taken literally can't be true. Right. I mean, if a state or a city agency finds a cockroach or a rodent in a restaurant, it can immediately move to shut down the business. That's because states have a sovereign and quasi sovereign interest in protecting the health and well-being of its residents. And apart from this, this attorney general under under statute has sweeping jurisdiction under state law to to investigate and challenge legal violations. So. Uh, for these reasons, the idea that, that states can't protect employee complainants as whistleblowers and investigate state law violations, it, it just can't be right. And while there's an interesting or possibly an interesting preemption theory for Amazon to litigate, the federal complaint just doesn't tell us much about what that what that theory might be. So a, a couple days later, still still in mid-February, the attorney general responded by suing Amazon in state court now for claiming, again, violations of state workplace safety and whistleblowers law, whistleblower laws. So at some point soon, uh, the federal judge will likely determine that, th that these are state law issues. Uh, and Amazon will have to litigate its preemption defenses in state court. And at that point, we'll know more about the merits of, of Amazon's preemption defenses. But really, the bigger takeaway is that Amazon seems to be used to getting its way uh, and is furious that a state attorney general is calling it out. Another Amazon facility, this one in Bessemer, Alabama, has been quietly building union steam for months. In the last weeks, the effort exploded with players from the NFL, Democrat darling Stacey Abrams, and even President Biden voicing solidarity with the organizers. 
Does the Alabama campaign have wider impact either in the discussions about low-wage workers or in the overall fight for civil rights? Absolutely. Uh, And to be sure, the Bessemer election would be important under any circumstances. Uh, It's a huge workforce, uh, 6,000 workers. And it's in the southeast of the United States uh, where where union victories are, are, are often elusive. But the Bessemer campaign has also become a focal point, as you suggest, of the movement for racial and economic justice. And, and to understand why, we first need to consider exactly where this is. So, so Bessemer, Alabama is, a, is a, effectively a suburb of Birmingham. And like Birmingham, it's majority black and working class. 85% of Amazon's Bessemer workforce is black. And uh, the, the campaign has been framed expressly as one about both civil rights and labor rights. So while most of the Southeast lags in union density compared with other regions of the United States, Bessemer and Birmingham uh, have a long history of labor activism uh, uh, among its uh, steelmakers and iron ore and coal miners. Um, Workers now working for Amazon and Bessemer have reported that unions are familiar to them. Uh, Family members, for example, were, were union members in the recent past. Amazon has responded to the union election in Bessemer with aggressive anti-union tactics. Uh, Reports are that it's distributing vote no buttons to employees, sending uh, relentless uh, text messages, uh, captive audience meetings, uh, placing anti-union propaganda on a website and in bathrooms. Most notoriously, it demanded an in-person vote in the middle of a pandemic, uh, which struck observers as a, a pretty cynical ploy to suppress the vote. And this gets to the heart of the matter. The Bessemer campaign has come to symbolize the ability of black workers to make their voice heard. Uh, And that's why Stacey Abrams' statement was so important. She understands better than anyone the importance of voting for for black people in the South, right? Drew a clear line between voting for economic security in the union and voting for political equality in politics. Uh, The union, too, uh, understands the experience from the employer reaction to the political activism of Uh, Colin Kaepernick, that especially for black workers, labor rights and racial solidarity can be inseparable. President Biden's statement in support of the Amazon workers in Bessemer is also remarkable. Now, if you didn't know anything about labor history in the United States, you might miss just how extraordinary that statement was. After all, his main point that the employers can't interfere with a worker's right to join a union, and that, and this is a quote, the, labor, the National Labor Relations Act didn't just say that unions are allowed to exist. It said that we should encourage unions. Now, as a matter of law, this is hardly controversial. It's actually pre- almost a direct quote uh, of the preamble to the, the National Labor Relations Act. But what makes it extraordinary is that for over 40 years, public statements by presidents about unions have either been muted or neutral or hostile. To understand why this is so extraordinary, we need to go back into at least 40 years of presidential history. Um, the last major public intervention by a president into a labor dispute was, was Ronald Reagan in, in the early 1980s, uh, when he effectively broke a strike um, uh, by the Air Traffic Controllers Union, the, or PATCO, uh, in 1981. So this sent a signal uh, that the federal government, at the very least, is tolerant of aggressive employer responses to labor disputes. Now, later presidents have been more tolerant of unions uh, and sometimes supportive, uh, but have generally remained neutral in specific union elections. And on this score, uh, President Biden clearly broke with this stance. His statement reflects an understanding, really, 
of the historic significance of the Amazon election in Bessemer. And his words showed an unmistakable intention uh, to rise to the moment. Now, whether or not this has an effect on the election, it shows that this president wants to use the moral authority of the office to set norms uh, about how employers should treat their employees. And, and as a longtime labor observer, it was refreshing uh, to see a president comfortable siding with workers who too often lack an ability to present uh, complaints about workplace practices uh, to their employer or, or even to have a political voice. He brought needed moral clarity to the argument that collective bargaining uh, can help regular people shape their own economic destiny. Is, is unionization witnessing a renaissance? You know, that's an interesting question, uh, somewhat fraught and contested. So, so the past few years have witnessed labor activities that we haven't seen in decades, right? The, the, the fight for 15 campaign for, for a $15 minimum wage in a union leading uh, to uh, an enormous uh, increase in, in state and local minimum wage laws, to the hundreds of thousands of teachers who successfully protested low pay and uh, politically conservative states like uh, Arizona, North Carolina, and West Virginia. That it comes now is particularly surprising after decades of eroding work standards and the decline of unions as a, as a countervailing political force. Where it leads is anyone's guess. Uh, there are good reasons to temper any optimism about the future of labor. Uh, the recent defeat of the proposal to raise the minimum wage nationally to $15 an hour is one sign of the fragility of the current moment. It's also not clear that even if Amazon warehouse workers in Bessemer decide to join a union, that this will spread to other areas. Uh, unions have not made inroads until now at Amazon, and Amazon's approach to unions is uh, hyper-aggressive, uh, some might say bordering even on Orwellian. So Amazon in the past has uh, reportedly responded to employee interests in unions by hiring uh, Pinkerton agents to spy on workers and using surveillance uh, software to track employee union support. And setting Amazon's response aside, we are still in a very weak economy and workers may rationally fear uh, antagonizing their employer by joining a union. So even if a majority of uh, Amazon employees in Bessemer vote in favor of a union, it does remain to be seen whether this will uh, inspire uh, more union support. But none of this should take away from the historic nature of the moment. Uh, the Bessemer campaign is part of an historic shift in the public consciousness of labor and labor law as potentially a vehicle for vulnerable workers to chart their own economic destiny and challenge the economic inequality and racial subordination they experience in daily life. You mentioned that Biden has a much more union-friendly stance. What foreshadowing have you seen that may be a harbinger in the near future? Let's begin with the Trump administration, right, which, which was extraordinary in its dedication to undermining uh, labor and employment law protections. And we are already seeing the Biden administration pull back uh, some of these uh, agency decisions. And I have no doubt that these administrative uh, changes will continue, right? In the next two years, I uh, think it's entirely uh, likely that we'll see affirmative efforts by this National Labor Relations Board to protect worker protests and ease the process for unionization. Uh, it's likely, for example, that the board will reinstate its, its previous joint employer definition, broadly interpreting uh, the outer boundary of employment and crack down on the misclassification of employees as independent contractors. And this will undoubtedly give momentum to unions that are trying to break into new areas. But administrative reform can only go so far. Labor law has entrenched weaknesses. 
And hostile uh, Supreme Court opinions have certainly tilted the playing field toward employers. These can only be fixed through legislative amendment, which some legislators have proposed to do with a bill called the PRO Act. Well, the PRO Act would go a long way to address these weaknesses. There's a long history of unsuccessful <laughs> attempts to reform labor law. So its chances of enactment in the near term are probably slim unless the Senate eliminates the filibuster. So whether unions can reverse the decades long decline in union membership remains a big question, uh, especially in right to work states in the southeast. Anything to add in closing? Sure. So so labor law creates the promise of channeling worker voice into resolving workplace problems uh, peacefully and collectively by bargaining with the employer. Uh, But too often this promise is illusory. Uh, Workers, as a result, often have insufficient voice in the workplace. Now, under normal circumstances, this can eat away at, 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 at basic human dignity, right? The ability to take a break to use the bathroom. Uh, But in times of crisis, like COVID-19, it puts workers' lives at risk. Clearly, something has to give. Uh, But whether the protests we've seen mark a renaissance of collective bargaining or a further move toward a default in which employment rights are really only those that individual employees can bargain for, it's unclear. Uh, The the future of workplace democracy is is part of an epic fight uh, that has been waged in the United States for over a century. Um, And the election in Bessemer which will be completed at the end of this month, right? March 29th, uh, may signal a new phase of that contest. But where it leads us is an open question. Great, this has been fantastic. Uh, Thank you so much for for joining us. My pleasure, thank you for having me. All right, sir, see you around. All right, thanks a lot. All right, bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us at The Explainer for a whole new season of interpreting legal issues in the headlines. If you love our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uges. Today's episode is brought to you by Miami Law's Environmental Law Concentration with JD, PhD, and LLM offerings, moot competitions, an environmental justice clinic, and a partnership with the Rosensteel Institute for Marine and Atmospheric Sciences. Miami Law is a top choice in the study of environmental law and policy. For more information, visit law.miami.edu forward slash environmental law. Thank you.